I direct my first questions to everyone, but I want to say in particular to uh, my friends over in the South Porch and anyone that else that is in here in the sanctuary that is uh, what I would say college age and below that is still living at home. Do you want to be successful in whatever professional career you choose? How many of you over here in South Porch, I'm talking to you over here, how many of you want to be successful? See a few hands. You all want to be successful. How many of you want to make a good living? You want to make money. Anyone out here want to make money over here? Rebecca, you want to make money? How about, how about, uh, do you want to, to uh, be well thought of in society as, as a successful person? People look at you and say, man, that person has achieved something. Do we, do we want that? I think probably every single uh, young person and many of us older people as well desire that in our lives. I want you to listen to these characteristics of successful people that I found in an article written by Amy Reese Anderson for Forbes.com. Now, for those of you that don't know, Forbes.com is the online version of Forbes magazine. Forbes magazine is the number one business magazine in the United States. It has the, the largest readership and subscription in the United States. And Amy Reese Anderson wrote this article for Forbes.com, and, and she describes characteristics of successful people in this world. And young people, I want, I want you to hear this. Successful people. Characteristic number one, she describes of, of people that are successful in the real world, in the workplace. Characteristic number one, politeness. And she describes politeness in this way. Listen to this, folks. She describes politeness in this way. These are her first words. These individuals put down their cell phones when they are spoken to or when someone else is speaking. What do you think of that one? Anyone? Thumbs up there? Cell phones down, right? Uh, that's how she describes, starts off her thing. Uh, they are on time. They say hello to others when they walk into the room. They regularly say thank you and I am sorry. She describes this as politeness. The second characteristic, characteristic number two, successful individuals have certain don'ts in their engagement with others. These are things they do not do when they engage with others. Uh, this is what she says, successful people. They don't roll their eyes. Don't roll your eyes on me, folks, back here. They don't roll their eyes. They don't make rude comments under their breath. They don't complain. They don't raise their voice in disagreement. Characteristic number three, they are good communicators. These individuals seek regular conversation. They are willing in these conversations to express, to be open and transparent, to express their fears, their problems, and their worries. They seek advice in their communication and accept the input given to them. They are able to articulate their goals to those they are communicating with. Characteristic number four, they are good listeners, which of course goes along with the communication aspect. They're good listeners. They recognize the life, these individuals, she describes as successful people in the world, these individuals recognize the life experience that they don't have, so they listen to the experience of others. They value input, they ask for help, and listen when knowledge is given by others. So when someone gives knowledge to these, these individuals, they listen to what is said to them. And characteristic number five, people that turn out to be successful employees, they are grateful. Ms. Anderson writes that they appreciate the sacrifices made on their behalfs. They express appreciation on a regular basis, and they are willing to go the extra mile for those who have helped them. Each of these characteristics 
are observed, she says, in individuals that are successful in the real world. But here's where the story takes a twist. She says, these are not characteristics observed in the workplace, though they translate over to the workplace. She says, these, Miss Anderson says, these are all descriptions of successful people as they relate and as they related to their parents growing up. So if you want to be successful, how many of you want to be successful in life? Over here. How many out here that want to be successful in life? To make good money, to have a good career, all of these things. She says it starts with our relationship with our parents. She writes this. She finishes her article in this way. She says, you show me a kid who treats their parents this way, and I will show you an employee that any boss would be thrilled to hire. Forbes.com, monthly readership of more than 25 million people, uh, uh, unique readers every single month. They tapped in to something, uh, into advice to young people that the Bible laid the foundation for years ago, and Hannah read it to us so well. And so let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. As we take a look at the duty, the responsibility, the mission that God has given to everyone that is and has been the child of another person, but I think specifically today, and I wrote this specifically today with our young people in mind. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The duty of children, the mission of children laid out in those, uh, in those five points that I shared from, from Mrs. Anderson's article, succinctly and authoritatively are first laid out in the scripture. The mission, the, the responsibility, the, the purpose of you as a young per- person. God made you, he inspired this in the scriptures, for you to obey your parents and show honor to your parents. John Stott, in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, actually gives three, uh, he gives three things within this text that show why we should do this or how, we, how God has, has led us to understand this truth in the book of Ephesians. And I want to explore each of these three reasons from, uh, that John Stott mentions. The first is the natural law. The natural given law. The second is, is, is the given law. The first is the natural law. The second is the given law. And the third is what Stott refers to as the gospel, or I would say uh, the grace of Jesus. And let me start with the first in that list. Young people, the Bible tells us that we are to obey our fathers and our mothers because it is right. Because it is Right. When I first read this, I thought to myself, this sounds an awful lot like something I've heard that I heard growing up and something that I even say sometimes. Uh, do, you, do you adults, do you remember asking your, your parents this question? Why do we have to do this about anything? And your parents responded, because it's the right thing to do. That was maybe the example. You know, I saw someone say, I saw you, Carrie, say, because I said so. Is that what you were thinking we were going to have? Yeah. This almost feels like God's saying that right here at the beginning, because I said so. But my parents also said, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Well, what does that even mean? Because it's the right, right according to who? 
right according to? Is God saying, hey, we're just doing, you obey your parents because it's the right thing to do now. Be quiet and do what I say. Is that what God is actually saying here? That is not what, what is actually being said in this text. And in the commentaries, as I studied this and as I looked at that, over and over again, the commentaries bring up the, the explanation of this phrase is that Paul is writing, he is saying, children, obey your parents because this is the natural order of things. This is the way things, this is the way you are. In other words, this is what we might call the natural, the natural law. It is right according to nature. Some of you may be shocked by this, but obedience to your parents is part of who God designed you to be. It's who God designed. God put something inside of you that naturally wants to obey and honor your parents. And this has nothing to do with being a Christian or being a, 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 any other religion, a Hindu or a Muslim or, or even an atheist. All of us are born with this innate sense inside of us that, that we want to honor and please and respect our parents. We see this in every society, no matter what culture it is. There's something that God put inside of us that wants to honor and respect our parents. Now let me pause here and just say that I recognize that there are people in this room, there are people that may be watching online right now that, that grew up in homes in which the parents were very abusive, physically or sexually or emotionally abusive. And, and, and there's those extremes. There's, there's, there's people that have been abandoned in their lives. I, a few Sabbaths ago, I talked about my own dad, who his dad, when he was 16 years old, left a note saying, don't look for me, you'll never find me, and disappeared for 21 years, and they never heard from him again. So I understand that there are the extremes of, of society, but most of us live between those extremes, and, and, and there's a natural inclination within us to honor and please and obey our parents. There is something that God put into all humanity, every child and every teenager and young adult, that, that really actually wants to say yes to what their parents ask them to do. Some parents in this room might be doubting that God actually gave their teenager that uh, thing inside of them. Maybe you missed something on my kid. But it's actually true. There is something inside of all of us. So young people, your natural desire, your deepest desire, is in fact to obey your parents and to honor them and to respect them. So when you don't obey your parents, young people, when you don't listen to your parents, when you don't respect what they say, you are actually going against the way you were created, that which God made you to be. You are actually going against the way you were created. This is why Christian kids and non-Christian kids feel this, this stress inside of themselves when they disobey their parents. There's a stress inside of us, and sometimes we blame that stress on our parents. My parents are stressing me out. Would you just leave me alone? You're stressing me out. Maybe the stress isn't actually from your parents, but, but inside of you, your natural inclination, the way God made you is to, is to desire to obey them, and because you're pulling against that, there is this tension that's being created and this stress that is being exhibited. If you have heard me preach, then you know that I lived most of my teenage years uh, apart from Jesus. And this, of course, creates separation, too, with, with parents. 
And you've heard my stories, suspended from school multiple times, run-ins with all kinds of things, law, other things. You've heard these, these, these stories. In all of these moments, whether it being another parent wanting to get me for something I had done or, or getting suspended from school or sitting in the back of a police car or whatever it may be, the greatest stressor in my brain in all of those moments was not the school or the police or, or other kids' parents. It was always my parents. What are my parents going to think? What are my parents going to say? I was nervous about that, and it wasn't because my, my parents are, are ridiculous and, and cruel people. They never threatened to kick me out of the house, at least not that I ever remember. Uh, they, they, they never beat me. I got my fair share of spankings. I probably should have gotten a few more along the way. But, but in me, there was always this stress because something inside of me, even though I was pushing against it, wanted to honor my parents. Now, I didn't understand that when I was that age. But there was something inside of me that, that wanted to honor my parents. I'd say to the adults in this room, and maybe some of you can relate to this, I believe that is in part why many of us who are adults, there's still something in us that wants to receive the approval of our parents. I mean, I'm almost 42 years old, and I can tell you that when you say, hey, nice sermon, I like it, or when my wife says, nice sermon, but when my dad says, oh, Chad, I heard your sermon this week, and I really liked it, that it's at a whole new level. I'm 42, and I still value my dad's honor and approval. There's, there's something in us that, that was made by God to, to, to seek out this, this approval. Honoring and obeying our moms and dads is what we are created to do. It's in the very fi- fabric of our being. But of course, sin happened in this world. And sin has affected all the natural and perfect things that God had made. Uh, the Sabbath and, 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 and marriage and work and all these things were made to be, to be a gift from God and they were made in a specific way to honor and to give glory and to be in relationship with God. And yet, and our bodies even uh, were, were made in this way and yet sin has affected all these things and so all these things get distorted. I mean, how many of us can say that we, we love work and we're so grateful that God gave us that gift to just labor away all the time? Do you, do you feel that all the time? I don't know anybody that raises, there was one person in the first service that said they always love work. And I, we need to find out where he works and all of us go work there. But most of us don't. This, this gift that God gave us, well, in the same way this relationship with our parents was something that, that God gave us and yet... Because of sin, it, it becomes distorted. And we now look upon the relationship with our parents and, and, and we get frustrated with it or we, we push against it or we think that they're being uh, 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 too difficult or they're not being understanding. This is a result of sin. And in fact, adults, we perpetuate, we perpetuate this idea with our young people. Because what do we say? We say, oh, well, rebellion is just a natural thing. It's a natural part of growing up. No, independence may be a natural part of growing up, but rebellion is a natural part of sin. It's a natural part of pushing away. The natural thing in us is to love and to honor and to obey our parents. So sin has distorted this. And so, and so God gives us another reminder of this, of this truth that we are made to love and to obey and to honor and to respect our parents. And that is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, he gave us these not to 
so that we could try to keep them all perfectly and be saved. We're saved by Christ and Christ alone because he kept all things perfectly. We don't have the commandments simply so that we can have a checklist of whether we've done right or wrong. We have the commandments of God and we have the instruction of of Scripture to guide us back to who we were made to be, to who we were made to be. I mean, that's, that's the story of Scripture, right? In the very beginning, God made everything perfect, and it was good, 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 it was good. It was very good. And then there's sin, and things start to devolve, and, and the rest of the story is this journey to, to uh, half the story is this journey to Christ who, who overcomes all things, and now the journey after is us getting to that place where everything is good, 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 very good again. That's, that, that's the journey. And so all of us are on this journey towards who God really made us to be. We were made to be perfect in perfect relationships and perfect harmony. And we got off track and we're all on this journey back to this place where, where we are who God really made us to be. And God in the midst of all this uh, gave us the commandments to, to remind us of who we were made to be in part. And so the commandments come along and they remind us of these important aspects of things. Romans chapter 7 Romans in chapter 7 and verse 7 actually reminds us of this. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Paul then writes, Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. Paul is saying that, he, that the law helped him to understand what sin was. And when I understand what sin is, then I begin to understand how sin negatively impacts me how sin negatively impacts my relationships with, with my friends, with my families, with my spouse, and most of all, how ne- sin negatively impacts my relationship with God. The law, in other words, helps me to pause, leads me to pause and to examine my life and to say, am I truly living the way that God made me to live? This is what the commandments is, young people, that, that God says when he says, honor your father and your mother, he's actually trying to remind you of how he made you to be, to be in right relationship with your parents, with your family. So Paul, in the book of Ephesians, writes, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. In this quotation, Paul is uh, uh, referencing both the Exodus mention of of, of the commandments, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long, as well as the Deuteronomy a reference to the commandments, that it may go well with you. Paul is telling us, not only is there a natural instinct to, uh, in you to obey your parents, he says God has given you this law to remind you of this, to draw you back to this truth, that this is who you were made to be. To be. I'm naturally made to be in right relationship with my parents, but sin has distorted that. All of you were naturally made to be right in right relationship with your parents, but, but sin has distorted that. And the law says to all of us, examine your lives and see if you are living against who God created you to be. But the law also reminds us of something else. The law reminds us, Paul points out, that if we keep the law in our lives, we will be better. Our lives will be better. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Ephesians chapter 6 again. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
that it may go well with you. Believe it or not, when you obey your parents, your life is better. I know that might be surprising for some of you. Now, this doesn't mean that parents are perfect, and don't worry, young people, we're going to get to the parents next week, and I have a lot to say on that as well, and the Bible does too. But maybe some of us, some of those, uh, those stresses in our life that you don't want, maybe some of those are a result of how you relate to your parents, not that your parents are perfect, but, but they are who God gave you. And as you relate to them in a disrespectful or dishonorable way, it's impacting more than just that relationship, it's impacting other aspects of your life as well. I think about um, my own life, and I can testify that my relationship with my parents after I accepted Jesus, I accepted Jesus April 26, 1996, that my relationship with, with my parents, not only did my relationship with Jesus begin to get better, but my relationship with my parents started to get better. April 25 and before, I think my relationship with my parents was pretty tense. I will talk a little bit about that next week. And I found out just the other day that my parents are going to be in town next week. So pray for my mom, all right? Not because she's going to get the brunt of it, but just because she's more sensitive to it than my dad says, yep, that's true. We messed up. But, but, but my relationship to my parents was, was, was tense, but then after April 26, my relationship began to, to improve in my life. In fact, I think of a very specific example, and I'm not going to share all the details of the story. Even I don't share all the details of some stories, but... but uh, a very specific example. Now that I was a Christian, I was dialoguing with my, with my parents about more and more things and decisions that I was making in my life. And there was a certain situation that came up shortly after I accepted uh, Jesus. And, and I was talking with my parents about it. My mom, who is usually uh, very quiet, she's not the one that gives advice. She's more the one that listens, but she's not the one that gives advice. She was very passionate. She had a very a strong conviction about uh, the path I should take. My dad otherwise was kind of saying, you know, see what the Lord tells you and just go with it. But my mom had a very uh, strong conviction on the path that I should uh, take. And so we were dialoguing about this. They didn't say you can't do this or you have to do this. They just said it's your decision, but here's what, here's what we think. And so, of course, my mom being very passionate, I said, okay, mom, I hear what you're saying. And I think I'm going to do the opposite of what you're saying. Because we're still in this journey, you know. I mean, this doesn't mean that we're perfect. We're, we're trying to learn to obey, but I'm, I'm at least dialoguing with my parents now. And I decided to, to go the opposite direction of what, the direction my mom thought I should go. And in short order, these stresses began, these, these difficulties began to pop up in my life. And now, because I was now a Christian, the law showed me the law reminded me that I should honor my father and my mother. And honor doesn't just mean that we obey, but, but honor means, oh, I should listen to them. They gave me counsel. Maybe I should, I should ponder that counsel. And so I began to reverse course from the direction I was going and to, to, uh, to uh, put in play, into play my mom's advice. And guess what? This is shocking. It was shocking to a... 18-year-old kid, my mom knew what she was talking about. And things got better. 
The Bible is not just saying that to add words to Scripture. Honor your mother and your father, and your life will go well. Your life will be better. This is a promise from God. All of our young people, and and studies are showing that our young people are more stressed than they've ever been. Part of that is our fault, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week as well, parents. But our young people are more stressed than they've ever been. And, and we can look at society and we can see that the society is becoming more and more uh, disrespectful between generations. And that there's a, an, a, a, a tension there. I was watching a, you know, on my favorite channel, C-SPAN. Uh, on C-SPAN I was watching a British lady talking about climate change. You might have seen this. And someone from Parliament yelled something out to her, and she's a millennial, and her response was, thanks, Boomer, and all. And it's, it's this meme that's out there now, basically like, Boomers need to shut their mouths because they don't know what they're talking about. We're millennials, we're, we're in charge. There's this tension that exists out there, and it's, and it's in our homes as well. It's more and more aspects of things. I mean, I, I even know little things, little tiny things. I'll, I'll walk through the hallways at the school sometimes, and I'll have first and second graders yelling out, Hey, Chad! Oh, man, if I had ever yelled out, hey, in first name to anybody when I was a kid, my dad would have walked me somewhere. And then I would not have sat down somewhere after that. I mean, there's just this, there's these things, these, these courtesies that, that, are, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are going away, and there's tensions that are existing, and there's this stress, and, and our young people are under more and more stress. And I think part of it is because of the deterioration of these relationships, because the Bible makes a promise. If children honor and respect and obey their parents, their life will be better. We can't separate the two. We can't say you have more stress in your life, you have more uh, disgruntledness in your life, you're more unhappy, and then say, well, it has nothing to do with your relationship with your parents. There is something there, and the Bible promises it. As the Forbes article that I read, you know, points out, and of course, it's, it's just saying what Scripture has laid the foundation for. You are more likely to be a successful person if you are an individual that shows appropriate respect to your parents. So we have the natural law, how we are made. And, and this natural law has put in us a desire, although we may not realize that's what's going on, has put in us a desire, a want to be obedient to our parents, to, to please our parents. We have the God-given law, the scriptures that, that help us understand that, that living in obedience and honor to our parents will improve our lives. God gave us this law and he says, I'm telling you this law, not just to control you, but because I want you to understand this is the way you were made to be and so your life is going to get, to get better. Then there is one component that above all should compel us to live in harmony with our true selves and also to live in harmony with our parents and in harmony with the commandments. And this idea is more powerful and more natural than than any law that has been given, either natural or given law. And if someone's asking, why should I obey my parents? Why would I honor my parents? I mean, obviously, we could give off all kinds of things. They've, they have the experience. They've, they, they understand you better than sometimes you understand yourself. They've gone in the places you've gone before. We may ask all of these types of questions. But when we come right down to it, why should I obey my parents and honor my parents? There's really only one word that's needed, and it is this. Jesus. 
because of Jesus. I know most of our young people in this church, and most of them would say that they are followers of Jesus, that they, that they love Jesus. And Paul actually tells us in this text, in fact, it's his first reason, and I'll show you in just a second. It's his first reason for why we should obey and honor our parents. It's because of the Lord. It's because of who Jesus is in our lives. And Paul tells us this subtly in verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is it. That is actually saying obey your parents because of God, what Jesus has done for you. Let me show you. The words in curio, they mean in the Lord. I'm just getting a little nerdy there on it for a second. Those are Greek words, and they mean in the Lord. And you'll read some commentaries, and some people have tried to, to extrapolate this, and they say, this means that, that, that Paul is saying you only need to obey your parents in regards to that they're doing everything in line with the Lord. If your parents are, are doing things in, in, in alignment with the Lord, then you need to obey them. How many, is there any kid in here who feels like their parents are always doing the right thing in the Lord? Anyone? No one. We don't even have any children pleasers in here. In first service, we had several little hands go up, and I said, that's because that's those kids want to please their parents and honor their parents even now. All of us understand this. This is not, this is not what this is actually saying. The incurio qualifies the verb obey and not the noun parents. The Holy Spirit did not inspire Paul to say that children, you're only to obey as you agree and feel like they're doing what the Lord tells them to do. Paul is saying we are to obey in the Lord, period. Rather than translate the incurio uh, literally, it may be best to say something like this. As followers of Jesus, obey your parents. That's simple. As followers of Jesus, obey your parents. I've accepted Jesus. I've been baptized. I, I go to a Christian school. I love Jesus. The Bible then tells us, then live according to your truest self, which is that you obey them. And not because they're perfect, not because they're the greatest parents that ever existed, not because they never mess up, not because everything that they say is right, because sometimes we as parents do give bad advice to our kids. But obey them and honor them because you love Jesus. You might not even like them sometimes, your parents. But I love Jesus, and so I'm going to obey, and I'm going to honor them. In the book of John, chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. We obey the commandments not because they save us, not because, not because uh, uh, we're trying to do the checklist thing. We, we obey the commandments because we love Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us. This is more powerful than the natural law. This is more powerful than the given law because guess what? The natural law is tainted. The natural me is tainted by my nature of sin. This is more powerful than the given law because what the Bible tells me is that the given law can only direct me back to what's right, but it can't change me. But what can change me and what can transform my life truly is Jesus. And when we think about honoring our parents and respecting our parents and following our parents, I hope that, that, that we will recognize that's the way that God made us to be. 
And that when we read that commandment, honor your father and your mother, we won't say to God, well, you just don't know my parents. We'll instead say, Jesus, I'm going to listen to this because I love you. And Jesus, because you love me and you saved me, I want to obey, I want to honor, I want to respect my parents. And as adults, all of us, maybe it'll help us to examine our own lives as well and to look at how we relate even now as adults to our parents. They weren't perfect, neither are we. But maybe God wants us to examine and say, am I giving still honor to my parents? We don't have to obey in the same way. My parents aren't telling me what to do anymore. Maybe occasionally, but most part, most time, no. But my parents still deserve honor and respect. Yes, because that's the way I was made. Yes, because of the law of God. But most of all, because we love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm going to honor and respect my parents. The opposite of that would be true too. And let's think about that. Am I showing that I love Jesus by the way I relate to my parents?